This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to The Short Coat, a podcast of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. Say hello to my easy breezy, beautiful co-hosts. Like a breath of fresh air, it's MD-PhD student Aline Sanduk. Oh, hi. <laughs> as cool what as a an ocean. sweet introduction. Yeah. Well, as cool as an ocean breeze, it's Brandon Bacalzo. Hello. A wind as soft as silk. That's Sahana Arumagam. Hi guys. A warm sigh of of comforting air. Emma Barr. Hello. And I'm Dave Etler, the breath of a Taco Bell burrito and a surgical mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. Ew. They're getting rid of half their menu. Uh, what? Yeah, that's that's correct. How can that be? I don't know. It's all in the, the sake of, of it's all in the sake of synergy. They okay. need to synergize their taco throughputs. I. <laughs> 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 Good. Well, I'm I'm glad that they're uh, that they're that they're changing things up. Um, I, I mean, the problem, of course, is that w- with this idea is that uh, you know, uh, drunk people everywhere will have nothing to to uh, be sure <laughs> that they could sink their teeth into in a, in the right. middle of the night. Right. The drunchies well. will now go. Un, un, uh, I don't know what what's the correct word unmet. I'm looking for. Needs unmet. unmet, yeah, unfulfilled, unsatisfied. Yeah. Well, in Iowa City, you have uh, like only six cactus uh, restaurants. <laughs> so she's talking about our our Mexican restaurants in mm-hmm. Iowa City. So you have Cactus One, Cactus Two, and Cactus Three. Maybe but, Cactus Four, but Cactus Two closed down. I That's think. True. It does. So, I think. oh, I'm talking about like there's even more Mexican restaurants then that all oh, seem to really? have the same. Like menu. the non cactus variety. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if you're not marketing yourself as like authentic Mexican, then you're you're essentially Taco Bell Mexican. Not to say that it's that's hey. a bad cuisine, but I think if you're doing Taco Bell Mexican, your your menu is going to look pretty similar. I have never been to a Taco Bell. What? What? I know. What? Looks, I know that I look like I've been to a Taco. Are you even an American? <laughs> I know. I know that I look like I've been to a Taco Bell. Well, how not. did you get your Taco Bell breath then? In your He's never been to one. He's had one provided for him. <laughs> okay. I've, I've, no, I've, I've that never eaten Taco that's Bell. Just, that's just his natural musk. Yes. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for. They, they've they've planned it after him, or they. Example. He was the example. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you for yeah. um, Taco Bell. Actually, sourced your essence mm-hmm. as the inspiration for their tacos. Dave is the platonic ideal of a Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> that I thank. For, yes, thank you for that, and thank you for using uh, my musk <laughs> in, a, in the podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, what have y'all been up to? Anything good? No, nothing good. No. Brandon did uh, research uh, week <laughs> this week, if you want to call it that. But part yeah. of our part of our annual medical student research week activities, uh, you had to um, endure a Q and A. That is correct. With some judges. That is correct. On your on your research project that you did just this past summer, or did you do multiple years? Or nope, what did- just this past summer. Feedback is pending um, at the University of Iowa for incoming M ones, and um, recently. Um, through the fire M1s, soon to be M2s, they offer a program called the Summer Research Fellowship where you um, identify a mentor in in and around the winter and then start to um, uh, eke out a project that is in line with your mentor's research. And then um, if you're lucky, you, you write a proposal, it gets funded, and then you spend a summer doing that research. What was your, uh, what was your research on? Ooh, I'll give you the 32nd yeah, bring it. Uh, a synopsis. So um, as I've made it no uh, surprise, I'm into repurposed drugs. And so there's a, a pretty robust um, body of research suggesting that ketamine in psychiatric applications 
is particularly effective. Um, so you can give someone an, uh, an injection of ketamine and within like hours to days, you'll see an antidepressant response, which is pretty unique. Um, uh, um, yeah, that's very on brand for you. Uh, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is recreational drugs improve lives. Ooh. Ooh. I, I'm not sure if I can go on record saying that, but maybe if we, uh, if we pause the recording for a second, I think the data, the, I think we need more robust data. That is that. correct. Um, but my research was looking at sort of the, um, the bioenergetic changes that ketamine produces. What does that mean? Well, um, take, take, for example, someone with depression, right? Um, I think we're in between theories right now. Originally it was popularly thought that like, um, that mental illness was resultant from, um, like biochemical disruptions and like, um, neurotransmitter interruptions in the brain. Sounds reasonable. And now we're starting to think that it might be that, but also changes in the connectivity of brain circuits. And so in depressed individuals, we see that in the reward circuits, we're seeing a lot less interconnectivity in the circuits within, um, for example, the hippocampus and other reward centers. Well, hippocampus is mostly memory, but um, so essentially to recover from depression, we're thinking that um, you need a lot of energy in the neurons for neuroplasticity. It's a big buzzword, right? neuroplasticity. So we're essentially thinking that administration of ketamine has to induce some sort of bioenergetic change in a neuron to sort of recover those broken circuits. And especially ketamine acting so quickly, um, we were thinking that that um, biochemical change and bioenergetic change had to be pretty robust and pretty fast acting, but inconclusive research at this point. Okay. So your, your, uh, your project was uh, inconclusive. It was inconclusive. Um, <clears throat> We were hoping to be a little bit farther along, but stupid, dumb COVID got in the way. I think Aline can tell you that uh, there's a lot of that in research. Tell you what, Dave? Tell, what can I? What? <laughs> You could, you could, you could tell Brandon about how there's a lot of uh, inconclusivity in research, and that's part of the, part of the process, right? <laughs> this feels like a personal attack. It's on, not a personal attack. Sahana, right Sahana can make the same. Aline, I bet you've seen a lot of inconclusive <laughs> research, huh? <laughs> No, that's not what I Can was saying. Can you tell by my tears? <laughs> that's not what I was saying at all. Science is hard. Yeah. But look, Brandon, I, I wholeheartedly believe that you will keep working on finding a way to make ketamine legal to take. Mm. And I support you 100%. Wonderful. Ketamine's already legal to use as a as a therapeutic, isn't it? I mean, in, in, on a prescription basis, or is it just it's a investigational? Horse tranquilizer. Yeah, well, you—it's currently approved for off-label use by the FDA, um, but it's still pretty heavily controlled for for good reason. It's mm -hmm. a substance of potential abuse. Um, but we're trying to figure out different ways because the the current way of receiving ketamine is that you have to come in, receive the injection, yeah, yeah. and then go home. Um, S-ketamine, which is related, is starting to see like a, a nasal spray, but I believe you still have to come in. Is this one of those, uh, is the thinking right now that, uh, is this one of those drugs that, that you you use it in sort of, what the, uh, you use it in a way that you, you use amounts that aren't necessarily going to get you, you know, high or, right. or, or alter your consciousness basically, mm -hmm. but it has an effect anyway? Essentially, yeah. Okay. I mean, um, <clears throat> from my understanding, and I haven't been in exposed to this clinically, hopefully pretty soon, but my um, understanding is that some patients still might feel a little, um, a, a tiny dissociative effect, but it's nowhere near the levels we used for anesthesia or use recreationally. Dissociative effect. Yeah. I read recently an, uh, an article about um, dissociative effects and this brain rhythm that they have noticed recently. Oh, really? Um, this uh, 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 electroencephalogram hmm. rhythm that occurs during dissociation um, that seemed pretty interesting. Unfortunately, the headline I read, uh -huh. it, the headline I read was um, brain um, using this, or dissociative effects of this rhythm mm -hmm. studied or something like that. And I saw rhyme mm. instead of rhythm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I was really excited to sit here and rhyme with you and see if we could <laughs> have some sort of dissociative effect. Oh, yeah. 
But then I read closer and it wasn't true. I was very disappointed. If you talk to Kate, I'm sure she'll tell you poetry is very dissociative. Yeah. Sure. You can you can really uh, uh, ascend from your own individuality by going through back and forth freestyle rap. Um, (laughs) As a fan of rap music, yes, 100 percent. Are you a fan of rap music? I actually really am. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. It's very, I mean, it, you Why know. did I say that? That's nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. You're like, oh, good for you. Good for you. I'm going to put that on the fridge. I'm not. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's really, uh, liking rap music um, and um, respecting women is a labor of love. There's not <laughs> a lot of female right friendly rap music out there but you know there are a lot of really powerful social messages in it and especially at a time right now this took a way more serious turn but you know especially right now where uh, a lot of us feel really powerless really helpless Mm -hmm. you know that music wasn't made for me um, or with me in mind but it was made for people who feel disenfranchised and powerless so it is it's objectively very empowering Mm -hmm. happy to make some recommendations yeah. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm uh, feeling so exposed right now. That's... <laughs> you sort of brought this to my next idea for a topic, which is uh, uh, a real downer. Ooh. Uh, this week. Happy Im- to have ushered in the downer. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Immigrations and Custom Enforcement was accused this week of sterilizing women without consent at a detention center in Irwin County, Georgia. And of course, that requires the participation of a doctor um, who hasn't been officially named. Um, I did not get a chance to write down this person's name, but uh, the the lawyers of the women have uh, have named this person. Um, mm. I, I don't understand how this happens. I, you know, I look around me at you guys. And at the doctors that I know, and I see uh, morally, uh, you know, top-notch moral people, mm-hmm. right? I'd like to think so. And then I look at this and a I... Lo- a lot of great pretenders. There's a lot of great pretenders. You think so? Circles, a so. lot? A lot I mean... of sociopaths in medicine. Yeah. Oh, come on. I mean, not a ton. Not more than actually good people, but... You know, the thing you have to remember about people like this is they look just like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. You know, people who do this, rapists, child molesters, they look just like everyone else. They're, we have no way of knowing if we're in the midst of someone like that or not. And that's how they get away with it, because people refuse to believe that something like this could happen. Right. You know, the whole the whole stranger danger campaign where we taught children to be afraid of strangers. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if that was organized by pedophiles, by child molesters to throw people off their scent. Because now we know that the vast majority of abuse of children happens by people known to the children. And Stranger Danger came out of people refusing to believe that a parent could ever do that to their own child. And then it turns out it's mostly parents who do that to their own children. And that we're good at picking our friends and neighbors, uh, our you know, the, the good friends and neighbors from the from the others. Right. I bet this guy got great, great grades in school. I bet he's a volunteer. I bet he's a deacon at his church. I bet he donates in record amounts because Larry Nassar did all of those things. And he is the most prolific child rapist of all time. So not to be cynical, but these things happen all the time. And we have no idea because we're so caught up in what we think a predator looks like or what a victim looks like. Mm, so mm. real yeah i heard that story too and i saw the headline i was like not today i i can't today i have enough on my plate i'm up to here i i couldn't read about it immediately but i saw it too yeah Uh, they do have his name actually okay yeah i mean they have his the, the, the lawyers have said his name i don't know that they've officially i don't know that he's been officially this all came about because of a um a whistleblower complaint, a nurse actually at the, at the, uh, Georgia detention center, um, basically blew the whistle on this. Um, and these women were, you know, basically having procedures done on them, um, without their consent and, um, without it being, without them really understanding what was happening without, you know, because they, there was a language barrier, Mm -hmm. um, uh, for many of them. And, and so it was, 
you know they you know and when they, and when they were and when some questioned what was happening you know they the reaction was anger and hostility um that's the reaction they got back from the people they told and that's just how didn't, we do things or mind your own business mm-hmm. that didn't it start out with like them reporting that they're not testing people for covid or something and then and then these things came out I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. That, that could be. Yeah. Some I article I was reading was saying that like somebody was reporting that they're not getting tested for COVID when they should be. And then at the same time, like maybe that gave them an opportunity to bring up these other horrible things that are going on. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it was it was a nurse. I think she was listing like a litany of abuses. And one of them was like mm-hmm. a suspicious high number of hysterectomies on um, immigrants being detained. Yeah. Right. Okay. Hey, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe people will object to this, but, um, immigrations and customs enforcement isn't really, hasn't really been known for their, uh, uh, positive interactions with, um, the detainees. No, it is not a feel good agency. No, no, they're they're, any type of good. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole children in cages thing. I think at this point you can just, um, make a blanket statement that our treatment of incarcerated individuals in this country has been absolutely abhorrent. And I think to a certain extent, you can extend that definition of incarcerated to those who are currently in detention uh, at our facilities. Um, And I think that's kind of the defining theme, at least of this year, is that coming to a head, right? We've had uh, the the murder of George Floyd. We've had a, a a bunch of other things that have brought to our attention that um, we are not caring for those at the fringes, quote unquote, of our society. And what I mean by that is um, it's no it's no uh, test of a free society um, to uphold the rights of those who are um, held in high regard by that society. Right. Like it, it's it's no. um pretty low-hanging fruit to be judged by right it's no amazing feat for a a white person on a in traffic stop to be treated with humanity because that person is fits squarely into the societal norm but i think that the real test of any free society is how it treats the rights of those who um are suspected of doing wrong have done wrong or those that are coming to our country um under whatever pretense. And I think that we, that the biggest failing that is becoming apparent this year is that we are not upholding the rights of those people. And more so, we are creating excuses. And I don't think that that is acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> You're, Brandon, you just reminded me uh, of a quote that I saw on Reddit recently that I just pulled up. Um, it's a story of a, an anthropologist who... Um, I guess her name is Margaret Mead. I'm not familiar with her work, but it's a it's a quote from a book um, called The Best Care Possible, A Physician's Quest to Transform Care Through the End of Life. And the quote is that the anthropologist was asked by a student what she considered to be the first sign of civilization in a culture. Um, and they were like, you know, was it fire? Was it tools? Was it the invention of the wheel? And what she said was, the first sign of civilization um, in an ancient culture was uh, a femur that had been broken and healed that was found on excavation. Mm-hmm. And her reasoning is that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You you can't run from danger. You're, you're more likely to die of your injury um, than be able to survive long enough to heal and then recover, um, which means that you know, finding a bone that has broken and healed means that the other people of that group or the other members of that group basically carried that person on their backs until they were well enough to recover and then be part of the group again. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what she cites as the sign of civilization. It's how you treat the weakest and the most vulnerable and helping them to safety. Absolutely. Absolutely. And nowhere, nowhere do I see that in society right now anywhere it's 
disheartening no. or at least it is there but that's not what we that's not the most concerning things that are being brought to our attention there's so many examples of where that is not the case we are really turning our backs on the weakest and the most vulnerable absolutely i've i've noticed uh an increasing current of i got mineism um created through very different uh and and many political and social undercurrents but um i mean i'm a i'm a proponent for um upholding individualism, but it's it's increasingly clear that um, collectivism in our evolutionary history, like you, what you describe, Aline, is what allowed us to come together as a civilization. I don't think it discounts the rights of the individual or the, um, the value I place on individualism, but I think that we've valued individualism in spite of collectivism and not to use individualism as a tool to empower people to create communities. Instead, we see a retreat into selfishness and I got minism. Tribalism, mm-hmm. um, well, even, which is a kind of collectivism, but right. I mean, it's people participating in a group, mm-hmm. but it's never um, it. Tribalism seems to be, I, I associate tribalism with, with um, people banding together against others. I was exactly about to say that. I feel like a lot, a lot of the tribalism we see now is defined in opposition of something as opposed to in pursuit of something. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, this, it's the the anti-racism movement is not a good example. We should all be opposed to racism. But I really like the groups that are really focusing on like what I want is to establish a society where everyone is embraced and diversity is embraced. And I really like that. It's the same thing, right? Fighting racism or accepting everyone for who they are as they, as, as they are. It's the same thing, but I really like that spin of like, no, let's, let's reach for something as opposed to running from something else. Mm -hmm. Right. And did you guys hear about, um, Trump's new, like patriotic Mm -hmm. education? Yeah. What? I just heard about this morning that he thinks that our history classes need to be more pro-American and we've been too focusing too much on slavery and how that was a bad thing. We need to focus on how great America is. The 1776 project, I think he calls it or something like this. Yeah. Um, but the truth is that the truth is that so much about American history is, is glossed over and, and sanitized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in our schools yeah. like, like how already, much more san- how much more uh yeah uh, how much more sterile could it get you know censorship yeah right man yeah. absolutely brutal that's Fa- dark these are fashion, dark times yeah if fascism comes to america it will come wrapped in the american flag oh yeah that's how i mean that's <laughs> how know, it came to other countries too you know like it's this isn't the first time but not not even. I feel like <laughs> half half of the country is begging for an authoritarian government, and like, it's just amazing. Like how many how many followers of Trump are one hundred percent okay with all of the super anti American things that is happening right now, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't be surprised if I don't know. A, lo- a lot of people think that. Whatever the outcome of the election is, he's already sowing doubt in whatever the outcome is going to be by undermining the U.S. Postal Service, which is going to be the way that most people vote. Mm-hmm. And he's going to abolish you know, term limits and basically make himself president for life. And, you know, two years ago, I'd have been like, you're crazy. Get out of here. But that's a real that feels like a real possibility now. Mm-hmm. And and a lot and very few, very far fewer people than should be are against that. There's a lot of people who are like. Yeah, he's doing a good job. I'm into this. Yeah, let's, he, he should be president forever. Let's keep him around. Right. Oh. Right. Yeah. It is a real cult of personality, isn't it? Um, but, 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 but why? I don't I, I know. <laughs> like, this is my problem with this whole cult of personality. Like, what is it that is seen? What is it that people see? I think it's the hair. That makes <laughs> or lack thereof. Yeah, right. You know, it's um, the fact that you don't see where it starts or where it ends. And <laughs> it's a mystery of physics, and yeah, people it's are like, mystified um, by science. Winston Churchill used to um, never ash his cigar. That meaning, like he would just leave the cigar to burn down, mm-hmm. and because of that, in negotiations, everybody would be so focused on the cigar ash and being like, "That's going to fall." Everybody's looking at Donald Trump's hair. And they're not noticing everything else. 
Like, that's gonna fall. It's too mesmerizing. You've blown my mind. Right? Right? We're, we're spitting some hot takes on this podcast, and what, I don't want to be left out. What habit should I... What 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 habit should I adopt for myself that would accomplish similar things? <laughs> do you right? have a mask hanging from your neck right now? I do. Do you think that should be my... That's distracting. I've never seen that before, so... That's you know why not I do where it. it's Here's, supposed to be, Dave. Yeah, well, you know why I do it? Like, I, you know, I come to Murph and... You know, our building and uh, I, you know, I've 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 realized that, uh, you know, you were supposed to wear our face shields in Murph. But if you get closer than six feet, we're also supposed to don our our mask. The problem is, is that if I happen to be without my mask, um, you know, then it's kind of a problem. So I I, I went on Amazon, of course. Uh, not a sponsor, and and found uh, and found these little uh, these little things with clips on the end that I could wear my mask all day long, uh, and it's always so it's available. not those sunglass hole. It's like the modern version of the sunglass yeah, yeah. holder. Like those, like those reader glasses yeah, the... that you can keep around your neck. It's, it's like yeah. a mask. <laughs> honestly, it's it's very chic. I mean, look. I, today I'm wearing. Today I have a surgical mask or a medical mask. I mm-hmm. usually don't have one, but I couldn't. I all of the masks. When I went to look for our masks this morning at the house, I I couldn't find any that mm. were clean. How long? How how often do you wash a mask? I don't think we need some CDC guidelines. One day. One, one day. Every, yeah. Single single day mask. Single day mask. Okay. I've been going. Consider like every it like your underwear. Yeah, you know, Ooh, which is like not that. to make value judgments of people who don't change their underwear every day. But yeah, I have one mask for every day of the week, and when I get okay. home, I throw it in the wash. Okay, I but think that's a in in the clinics we we re wear the like surgical or medical ones multiple days. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, well. I don't know. There's been different because we're supposed to save PPE at first, and now they're like, "Oh, we have more PPE." But everybody's like, "Oh, I do it every this many days or mm-hmm. this many days." Well, perhaps the difference is, you know, these cloth masks that we're wearing—they aren't as effective, right, um, mm-hmm. as the N95 masks or or the other types of PPE. So uh, better to better to wash them more frequently. Mm, maybe I'm gonna throw yeah. that out there as a possible What's... as a possible uh, reason. Mm-hmm. Wash your mask. Maybe you should take out that underwear bit. I feel like we're going to get some hate mail from people being like, I will wear my underwear as often as I want. Yes. Yes. Of all the many things over the years that you've asked me to take out, that is the one. I think we need a a randomized controlled trial for for underwear wearing to see what the health benefits and risks are of multi-day underwear use. I uh, vaguely remember sure. being on the podcast once and there was some sort of research that they did that, like men versus women, how many days they wore it. Wow. <laughs> or maybe it's how often they buy new underwear. I think it was how often they buy new underwear. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember that actually. <laughs> Screw like ketamine, this is fertile study. ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was it? Men replace their underwear or men replace their underwear every six months. I don't know. It was, it was yeah. every every three years or something ridiculous wow. like that. You know, like we're all walking around with uh with just a, a waistband. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it makes you feel like you're wearing underwear. <laughs> Honestly, the first sign of civilization was the loincloth and you can't prove me otherwise. <laughs> How often did they change their loincloth, huh? Right. The the one okay, getting back to the mask around the neck thing, the one problem is I discovered today that um it may be catching things that are falling off of my face. <laughs> It's like a bib. Yeah, because today I put my mask on. I had my mask on and took a deep breath, and I'm not sure that I did not feel something go down into my lungs. And I'm a little concerned about this. So, oh no, it's a choking hazard. So, so if I end up uh, with aspiration pneumonia, I want one of you, and I'm like incapacitated. I want one of you to like approach my doctor and be like, look in the look down there, Mm because. You might be able to pull something out. <laughs> we'll get you on that oh YouTube channel. What's his name? Yeah, Chubby Emu. I'll be like, I'll be on Chubby Emu. Yeah. Do you know this? Do you know this? Uh, this YouTuber. He he does. Uh, he his name is. Uh, he's a doctor. He does. Um, weird case studies, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, you'll have a clickbait headline on the YouTube channel, and it'll yeah. be like, "This man drank a pot of coffee. Here's what happened to his spleen." Right. 
and he'll like you know he'll draw you in. I don't in, need to know about that. Like like it's a murder mystery or something, and then you find out that you know they're actually really good because they take you through. He right. takes you through like all of the medical reasoning, medical reasoning, and all of the you know the 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 confusing bits and how they all end up tying together. It's actually mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. What is um, the name of it? I have an OSCE today, so I think I should probably prepare. Yes, this would be the best way to prepare for that. <laughs> Chubby Emu, I think, is the name of the channel. Chubby, Chubby Emu. Emu. Yeah. Okay. Not a sponsor. Other emus are available. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know no no uh, no ca- we we're not casting aspersions on emus of of weight. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, I got to take a break here because I would like to see creators of all kinds. Uh, who are either pursuing artistic endeavors quietly behind the scenes or doing it loud and proud for everyone to enjoy. I want to invite all of them uh, to the 14th annual Examine Life Conference coming this October and November 2020. Um, all sessions are virtual. There's no excuse. And they're only 15 bucks a piece. Ooh. No excuse at all. Uh, 27. I, I, I counted up again, and there's, there's 27 presentations. Um, everything from... Uh, uh, Things I didn't write down to other things I didn't write down. But they're all about the intersections of art, uh, the humanities, and health, and the human condition. Very important. Um, Yeah. So head on over to examinelifeconference.com. You can pick your own sessions. It's all a la carte this year. Ooh. Um, There's some uh, long format workshops you can take advantage of to build your skills and your enjoyment of your of your life and your and your abilities again that's examinelifeconference.com uh and i i i organized this conference me and, me and kate and so uh i guess we're sponsoring ourselves wonderful <laughs> i'm at the ice cream shop of dave etler at the examine life conference i have a mental image i'm going up and for 15 dollars a scoop i can get a hunk of delicious ice cream knowledge yes all a la carte. Are you, you staring mix. at my? Are you staring at my phone? No. Okay, good. No, I'm having trouble tracking your eyes. I, I can mix and match <laughs> my sessions, and it's a delicious ice cream heap of knowledge at the Examine Life Conference. I'm gonna hang on. I'm gonna write that down for next. Yes. Ice cream of uh-huh. knowledge. Yeah. Guys, every coastal U.S. citizen knows that nothing happens in Iowa. In fact, uh, here's the very proof of this was that I was looking at the air quality map of the United States, which, mm-hmm. as everyone who's been paying any sort of attention at all knows, that because of the wildfires in, on the West Coast, um, the you know incredibly tragic uh, events there, uh, the air quality in the U.S., especially on the West Coast, is crap. Um, it's absolutely bonkers. But what I noticed in looking at this map of air quality is that it has literally curved right around Iowa mm. and has headed. And now the 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 smoke is visible in Boston and Washington, wow. D.C. and all that kind of stuff. Oh but God. which I used to point out that even uh, that even smoke avoids Iowa. Wow. Um, which I don't think is fair. <laughs> right. I don't think that's fair at all. I, you know, we're not even flyover country for for wildfire. Exactly. <laughs> so every coastal citizen knows this. They know that nothing happens in Iowa. They attend their Taylor Swift conference and munch on their lobster rolls, secure in the knowledge that they're missing nothing. But you guys, as our listeners may be considering applying to the Carver College of Medicine from distant parts of the country, I'd like to assure them that that is not fair. That is not true. Things are hopping here in a state known best for corn and hogs and weird U.S. senators that harbor strange ideas about doctors and their love for coronavirus. And land hurricanes. And <laughs> land hurricanes. These things have been happening a for a long, long time. specific observations you're making. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So let's have a little trivia contest. Ooh. Uh, oh, no. To see if you know about the haps. The haps. In Iowa. Write down your answers Ooh. or just, you know, keep them in your brains okay. uh, until we're ready and we'll compare uh, after each question. Are you okay. ready? A little bit of Iowa trivia, huh? A little bit of Iowa trivia so that we can show how cool Mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. 60 degrees. 
62. 60, yeah, Fahrenheit. It's, very, it's nice. Our very own University of Iowa, Roy J. and Lucille A. Carver College of Medicine was known in 1870 as the Iowa College of Medicine. Um, was the first public institution in the U.S. to do what? Mm. Can you think of what we were the oh. first to do? I think I can. I think I know. Are we buzzing in by slapping the table, or are we just uh, well, giving it Well, since everybody's on Zoom, I'm not really, except for you and me, Brandon, mm-hmm. everybody else is uh, remote, so I'm not really sure how we're going to do this now. <laughs> But um, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's. Should we have the most confident person blurted out? After? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Who's the most confident person? Sahana, you look. You you were thinking you knew the answer. I think. I think I know what it is. All I'm right. not sure. Now I don't. Now I'm like not confident. Is we can all per- put our answers into the chat. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, have okay, Brandon. I'll, I'll 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 field the first one. If my memory is correct, were we the first medical school to allow acceptance to women? That's correct. That's what I was. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's mm-hmm. ab- oh, Aline's got proof. Uh, absolutely correct. The first class had thirty-seven students, eight of whom were women. The curriculum was two weeks of lectures and sixteen weeks of clinical training. And bam, you doctor. Ooh, I wow. wish I could have that. Wait, what? <laughs> Two weeks of pre-clinical. I got screwed over. That blows my mind. You can learn all of medicine in like a two-week class. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, there wasn't much. I mean, they were they were like, oh, medicine. It's a pouring vomit in your eyes, right. and you drill a hole in someone's skull, and it releases the spirits. Right. <laughs> so you know. Here, give so, them this cocaine. That should help. Short. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wait, what does this have to do with the fires? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Emma asking the important questions over here. Well, you see, Emma, we want to be included too, so we're making ourselves feel important. Oh. <laughs> I guess, I guess Look, the, the, Emma, the... I don't... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I think the original, the activating piece of trivia is that uh, all these natural phenomena somehow like traveling through the Midwest just like sneak yeah. oh, okay. around yeah. Iowa, Iowa yeah. City. So we're making ourselves feel important. Yeah, yeah. Emma, I think um, okay. I think there's something you might not have noticed about the Short Coat Podcast and, <laughs> and the things that I do at the end, which is that uh, my the, the, they only I I I pick the activity. First, and then I relate it <laughs> okay. to mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. in whatever tenuous way that I can. Okay, I think it's working. Makes Dave. more sense. Thank you. Okay. Uh, in 2018, what what outnumbered human residents in Iowa? Um, and by and 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 for bonus points, by how much? Mm. Oh, I know it's pigs or hogs. Yeah. Yeah, that's what by how say. much? Yeah, I want to say maybe um, like. A number or a percentage? Yeah, should we do a number? I mean, I, I was thinking of a ratio. A ratio. Uh, um, and what year was this? 2018. 2018, so pretty recent. Um, does anyone five, else want to have her to guess? Five times. Five to one? Okay, all right. I'd say two to one. I'm going to okay. say three to one. Okay, three to one, <laughs> five to three. one, two to one. Elaine? Three to one is my vote, yeah. Yeah, it's actually seven and a half to one. Ooh. Oh. In 2018, oh, my God. Yeah. In 2018, there were 23.6 million pigs and only 3.15 million people living in Iowa. Wow. We're like New Zealand, but for pigs. Yeah. We need a political candidate that promises a pig for everyone. Wait, what? What is New Zealand? <laughs> New Zealand. For- <laughs> they have like 10 times as many sheep as people. Oh, are. okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, we, we, we better hope pigs never learn how to vote. Or fly. Also hope. <laughs> or yeah. fly. I've made a lot of promises that are very contingent on this. Yeah. Yeah. And hope that they don't get into lobbying because they could beat us. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty effectively, according to those numbers. Mm-hmm. In the uh, name, of the town, just twenty minutes away from here, mm-hmm. that has great importance for our fictional future. Fictional future. Yeah. Oh, oh I okay, think uh, I see. Uh, hold on to that. I just don't know it though. Do you guys uh, have any idea? I'm really bad at geography. Is and there Iowa, like a movie so... being filmed nearby? Mm-mm. Fictional future. Okay. Tell us. Televisual and 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 in movies future the final frontier if you may yeah wow they're Stumped. not getting this I, I don't know the city Dave but I do know that uh, future Captain Jean Luc Picard is born in Iowa <laughs> no or not Picard no no, no. I'm pretty oh, sure he Captain was Kirk no is born yeah James Kirk Kirk, Kirk. Uh, I've never seen Star Trek. The future birthplace Kirk. of Captain James T. Kirk is 20 minutes away from here, Riverside, Iowa. 
Really? Um, <laughs> Captain Kirk of the United Federation of Planet Starship Enterprise. In the before times, it also hosted Trek Fest, which in 2019 celebrated its 35th year. And judging by some photos I found on the internet, is hosted, you know, all kinds of stars from the original series, like uh, George Takei and, mm. and uh, oh Pavel, uh, whoever played Pavel Chekhov, who I can't remember <laughs> his real name. I don't know. I've, I couldn't get into Star Trek. Where was Picard from then? He's from France. France, of course. Yeah, he's got a he's, uh, he's got a he 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 grew up on a on a he was a fancy boy. He he grew up on a winery. Mm. The character, right? Not the actor. Not the actor. No. Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. In the winter of 1982. The capital city of Des Moines found itself in the news. What rock god's onstage snack was the reason and what happened? Onstage snack. Looking for a name and, wh- and, and what exactly happened? 1982. Yeah. Should we just start n- naming rock bands? You gotta, uh, yes. th- this would be a particular band member. Oh. And their snack. And their snack. On stage. On stage. Happened on stage. Okay, so it's not... Van Halen and their brown M&Ms. Or was that Van Halen? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, bet. that was Van Halen. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was like... Uh, oh, they had but a rider. Didn't they? Yeah, they those had a rider. This is one of those things where they had a rider and, and, and in their contract that said that they had to have only black brown was, M&Ms or something. No brown oh, M&Ms. No brown M&Ms. It was no actually kind M&Ms. of genius because yeah. it showed that... Yeah, you, uh, do you know the reason for that? Yeah. So they know Brandon? you're paying attention. Yeah, so when, <laughs> when the... Um, the like stage promoter or the the event promoters would uh, make sure that the the roadies and everyone are adhering to the rider because they had a very complicated stage. So they had a lot of brown, pyrotechnics, and they had pyrotechnics. They had a lot of stuff involving fire, so they needed to make sure people were properly reading all the instructions so that no one would. M and M save lives mm-hmm. is the moral of that story. But I, this is not what so. we're talking about. I think that they should make something similar for med school interviews. Ooh. Because here's the thing. Y'all aren't great at following directions. There's just so damn many, Dave. There are many directions. <laughs> Not and me, I can though. Sympa- and yeah, I can I sympathize with that. I think I'm pretty good at it. I can no, sympathize I'm, I'm with the- that, uh, that there are many directions. Um, and as a person who also has problems following directions, you know, I get it. But maybe oh. if we did, like, a, as a prerequisite or as a preparation for your interview day, mm-hmm. you have to have, you know, followed some you're very not, specific direction you're not talking about the ones who got in you're talking no. about us when we were pre-meds which is mm-hmm. look you need to go easier yeah <laughs> on those people yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a hard line <laughs> all right yeah but that's not what we're talking about here we're talking okay. about uh the onstage snack what was the re- what? one any any guesses 82 kiss. you have a guess go for it oh, i just said kiss oh kiss any of their names. was it ozzy it was he he took a munch of nice. off a dove uh, it was oh, no. a, a bat. It was, it was a bat. Ooh. He took no. a, he bit off a bat's head. Mm. Uh, I don't, yeah, okay, so. And he didn't get every single virus, like. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the, the, the real story. Uh, so this is, yes, this is the. Fake news. We all is, know what happens. This is what uh, we all remember is that Ozzy Osbourne bit off a bat's head on stage. Mm-hmm. What actually uh, happened is during a Black Sabbath concert, a 17-year-old fan threw a bat on stage. I can only assume that it was deceased. Uh, Ozzy, of course, as one does, leapt to the logical conclusion that it must be fake and picked it up and chomped on it. It turned out to be real, so he did have to go to the hospital for rabies shots right after the show. Sharon, I'm done, bad, I made it on stage. <laughs> But he finished the show first, oh right? Well, yeah, I don't yeah. think it would make that much difference between... <laughs> Um, the show must fans go on. loved it. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Well, it, God, it, that's the most metal thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Accidentally, right. but still very metal. That and Dave Grohl falling off stage and breaking his leg, but coming back to finish the concert. That's pretty metal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what died in Clear Lake, Iowa, in 1959? My hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> What died in Clear Lake, Iowa? What? Um, so it's a thing? Yeah, what thing died in a There seemed to be a lot of deer democracy. here, so I would say probably a deer died <laughs> at some point. You may be right. In what year? That's not what I'm talking about. 1959. Ooh, I've got a guess. I know. But, but, Go ahead, Brandon. What are you going to say? Was it the music? It is. 
Ooh. Was that your answer, Aline? No, I was going to say Buddy Holly. He died well, yes. in a plane crash. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Oh, so that, that was the day the music oh, died. Oh, the day the music died. Okay. Buddy Not Holly. Buddy Holly, but who else, Dave? Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and JP, the big bopper Richardson, perished in a plane crash in a field in Clear Lake, Iowa. Uh, Waylon Jennings was supposed to be on that plane. Um, and not Richardson, but Richardson had the flu, so Jennings took the bus and was spared. Mm. Wild. Uh, okay, here's another. Uh, what famously consistent bakery item was invented in Iowa in 1912? I'm thinking back to the pre-show conversation we had. Yeah. The cronut. About cronuts. <laughs> it's it's not so much the item itself, but the consistency, the... the uh, the um, sameness from item to item. Bakery. Tapioca pudding. I think Cereal. you're thinking of the wrong kind of consistency. Uh, <laughs> Do you mm. get tapioca pudding at a bakery? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. No. I don't know. Have you ever asked? <laughs> I have celiac disease, so I feel uh, like I have a little bit of a disability in this uh-huh, <laughs> conversation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> A real risk taker over here, Emma, going into a bakery being like, give me yeah. your most gluteny thing ever. Yeah. As long as it's consistent. Bakery. Is it cereal? No. Because c- cereal is bakery. Shortbread? Right. Well, huh. I'd promise, but whatever. <laughs> I have no Is it, um, you know, those scotcheroo things? Man, there is nothing more island, I think, than scotcheroo. Yeah. Yeah. Describe a scotcheroo for us, Emma. Yeah, what is a scotcheroo? I don't actually know. I'm not from Iowa. But what I've seen is that it's like Rice Krispies with like peanut butter on top. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a peanut butter chocolate type mi- mixture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, can't, both of those I can't things... Eat them. I can't eat them only because they're just way too... There's way too much of something in them that makes my head hurt when i think I it's them. the density right yeah like they're so dense and i'm like oh mm, okay and and <laughs> oh it's like all chewing yeah there's a lot of chewing <laughs> it's very it's they're usually super sweet mm-hmm. it's an experience yeah. you know it the chewing the is to offset the, the calories of the scotcheroo so you yeah. break right. even that yeah. makes sense yeah mm-hmm. well you got us dave i don't think we have any guesses well it did it does inspire it did inspire um a saying about the best thing. Buttered toast? <laughs> Sliced bread. <laughs> yes. Really? What is it? Sliced bread was invented mm. in Iowa by Otto Frederick. Not sliced bread, but uh, I guess the best, you know, the, so the saying is it's the best thing since sliced mm-hmm. bread. The, the, I mean, all bread ends up sliced, right? Mm-hmm. Or much, much of bread ends up sliced. This is pre-sliced bread. Like okay. it arrives to your door. Oh. Sliced. Otto Frederick Rowetter, Rowetter was seeking an answer to the problem of fitting hand-sliced breads of varying thicknesses into toasters and invented the loaf slicer in 1912. Uh, sadly, his invention was destroyed in a fire, so it took him until 1928 to make sliced bread commercially available. Hmm. Really? Wait, when was the toaster made? Like the kind with the slots? It's a good question. I did not like, look did that it? up. Feel free Do to we, feel free to to uh, Google that for me. Because that would be a big problem. Like if you're constantly cutting your own bread and it's always thicker than the toaster, that's really annoying. I've had to do that before. Yes. <laughs> this is like a potential infomercial product that I would have purchased if right? I was in the early 20th century. Right. I can just imagine 1893. It, you know, 1893 was the toaster. I mean, yep, by Ellen McMaster's in Edinburgh, Scotland. There's no way it could have been like electricity, like powered by electricity, right? So like how. How do? Fire on either side? (laughs) (laughs) Utensils for toasting bread over open flames appeared in the early 19th century, including decorative implements made from wrought iron. Oh, the the first bread toaster was invented by Alan McMaster's in 1893. When was electricity invented? Because I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine the infomercial of someone like trying to put an entire loaf of bread into their toaster. Oh, no. (laughs) It'd be a good sell, you know, like... (laughs) Is your toast too big for your, and then your it ends, toaster? And then it ends up, then they end up in a pile of uh, bread <laughs> on the floor. breads. Yeah. A special two for one deal. The super toaster or the super cutter. So, uh, so electricity was invented. Electricity was invented in 1879 by Thomas Edison when he was finally able to produce a reliable, long lasting 
electric light bulb. By the end of the 1880s, small electrical stations... Oh, sorry. I thought that said small electrical appliances. But yeah, so so 1879 and then 1893. Four years. Wow. Oh, and here I was <laughs> thinking the turn of the century came without electricity. And when was the slice bread? Uh, 1912, commercially available though in 1928. Wow, people had to go most of their lives without a reliable <laughs> bread alternative. Progress takes time, know. you guys. I, I'm not an inventor, but this seems like something that could have come earlier. Yeah. I'd love to see the grant Just... application for something like that. Well, we take the bread <laughs> and then we cut it so you don't have to. Right. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> All right, here's probably, another probably one. Grant, what? Probably grant applications back then were like a half a page to accompany the two weeks of med school that you had to go to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I wish I had been born a few hundred years ago because obviously a lot of these inventions just seem like common sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what worthless fruit has its origins in an Iowa orchard in 1880? And I'm going to be clear. Worthless fruit? I'm going to be clear here that the word worthless was my addition to this mm. to this uh, question because I personally and I think many other people feel that this is a worthless fruit mm. a worthless fruit cucumber no mm. it's a vegetable um, no it's a fruit it has seeds yeah yeah I mean then technically every vegetable is a fruit no um, corn seeds corn corn <laughs> worthless <laughs> our second well, biggest probably import was made. um I want to say the crab apple. Uh, interesting. Any other uh, any other guesses? I think you're on the right track. Mulberry. No, mulberry. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, it's kind of worthless. Yeah. Nobody, I, I, mean, nobody I don't goes. think of anybody that goes picking mulberries. <laughs> <laughs> is it a fruit that you would see in a grocery store now? It is. Okay. It so is. It's not honey crisp. It's, so actually, it's, a- it's actually among the most popular fruits. Okay, so it's just a fruit that you don't like. I would, I'm going to go on record and say that many, many people think this is the most worthless fruit. Is it the red delicious apple? It absolutely is the red (laughs) delicious apple. (laughs) I was like, why? Pretty worthless. Why is pretty worthless? Yeah. You're right. You're right. Like I was curious why Dave was taking such like a, such like a brave stand against this one fruit. And I was like, Hey, why are you editorializing about, but as soon as you said red delicious, I was like, Oh, okay. You're like, (laughs) Oh, I don't think I've ever had one completely. You don't need to. I think that speaks to it. I mean, I only eat honey crisps. Yeah. Right. Mm, There's so many, so many other varieties of apples that are absolutely yeah. delicious. They're just pretty when and they taste too. For some reason, the red delicious apple, and here's why, it wasn't the same apple we know today uh, when it first was developed. Uh, it was known originally as the Hawkeye apple. Oh, no. At the time, it was very sweet and aromatic. It was uh, sold to a nursery that renamed it the delicious apple. Okay. After the golden delicious apple was developed in 1914, it was renamed the red delicious apple in the 1950s, it began to be mass-produced, mass-grown, and growers were paid more for the darkest, most uniformly red apples and not for the taste. So uh, mm. color was selected over taste. Mm. Oh, so there you go. <clears throat> well, that explains that. All right. You'll never get this one. What unlikely accident bedeviled actor Rob Lowe while playing in a celebrity golf tournament in West Des Moines? How bad was the accident? Did he die? <laughs> he d- no, did. No, Rob Lowe Lo still died. alive. I don't know actors and actresses' names. He did. He's, He's in Parks and Rec. Rob Lowe is, com- <laughs> Lo is completely dead. Actually, <laughs> actually, Rob Lowe did die, and then he made a deal with the devil so that he could live forever as a young, beautiful man. So uh, yeah. that's true. I think you're right. Uh-huh. That was he the never freak ages. accident. <laughs> that was the freak accident. <laughs> he looks the same. He has not aged. He does. I mean, oh my god! Right? If, have any Have any of you seen um, Black Sheep? It's a movie with Chris Farley and David Spade from like a billion years ago. So he no. plays like the boyfriend of one of the main characters, and he's like he's like the young, sexy guy. Or maybe it's Black Sheep or Tommy oh, Boy. Wait. I can't remember. It, it was Tommy Boy because uh, spoiler alert. Go see it. Pause it. Go watch Tommy Boy. I believe Rob Lowe <laughs> is the like. Um, the villainous actual lover to the or no is it black sheep 
I can't. Oh remember. no, no, no! Because no. those movies so are the in, same. Right. So, in, <laughs> so in Tommy Boy, Chris Farley's dad gets newly married to this, you know, trophy wife, yeah. and then he dies, and she inherits the fortune or whatever. I think that's it. So her actual lover is Rob Lowe. Yeah. So if you so take like a still, a, oh, go ahead, Brandon. Sorry. No, it, it's like a Shakespearean sort of plot going on, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Go ahead, Aline. Well. Point being, and thank you for that rundown, but point being, if you take a, a still of Rob Lowe from that movie and a still of Rob Lowe now, indistinguishable. Just the same. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah. Uh, but he, but uh, in this case, he something happened during a celebrity golf tournament. It was very unlikely. Um, take a stab at it. A bird? Is it bird related? Are you looking up things on the internet? No, I'm not. <laughs> is that it right? It is bird related. Did he get attacked? It is bird related. By a bird. Did a bird fall on him? Like a bird died in the sky and fell on his head? Did he hit a bird with his golf ball? He did. Oh, oh. my gosh. Not only which bird did he hit? A Hawkeye? <gasps> was it an eagle? No. Oh. A Hawkeye. No, but it was close. If you're from Iowa, it was close. A, a hawk? A bald eagle? A goldfinch. I don't think there is a, such a bird as a hawk. I don't even know where it comes from. I've been here for a year now, and I don't know where the. I don't know if there's. A a, I don't know if there's a hawkeye bird, but it's, so that wasn't it. It's a bird that is held in well regard by I, Iowans. Yeah. Well, I think Emma just said falcon. <clears throat> Was it a falcon? No, I didn't. But thanks. Oh. Good job taking credit. <laughs> a kestrel. <laughs> mm. Emma will never be in attending. <laughs> she didn't take credit. <laughs> So not a falcon, uh, yeah, not it, whatever a hot I'll, guy I'll, is. A seagull. I'll put you a seagull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one cares about seagull. Uh, yeah, that and we're not on the coast, so. I mean, um, yeah, I'll put you out of your misery. He killed the Iowa State bird, a goldfinch. Oh. Okay. In flight with his oh, golf ball. Actuaries, weird. actuaries, actuaries calculated the likelihood of him visiting Iowa and killing the state bird with a golf ball at one in 747 million. Nice. Who gets paid to run those numbers? I don't know, but how do you even? Who who cares that much about Rob Lowe and the goldfinch and golf? Can you imagine doing Is long division yeah, for the rest of your life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine going to Thanksgiving with your family being like, I'm a very important person, you guys. I calculated the math of yeah. Rob Lowe doing a thing. So... <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm going to go calculate the odds of me getting the wishbone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one. At this very moment, we are surrounded by something invented at Iowa State University in 1937. Something so essential to life today that if it somehow disappeared, it'd probably be an extinction level event. Air. What is it? Yes. <laughs> air Plastic. was invented at Iowa State University. <laughs> the air conditioner? No. Uh, 5G. <laughs> no, 5G itself. The so, invention of 5G yes. was an extinction level of air filtration. Water no. Water filtration. No. Extinction level event. It's integral. Dishwasher. I'm being a little I, I would die within my dishwasher. Yeah. About I'm being a little ironic about extinction level you're, event. You're overstating Does it, it just a little have bit. Has something to do with plastic? Uh no. Darn. A spark. <laughs> Spork. <laughs> Wait, what year did you give us a year? 1937. The 30s. Post-war America. No, pre-war America. Post-war, peace-war. Well, okay. San- uh, <laughs> America, war sandwich. War, um, <laughs> war sandwich America, as it's known in the history books. Start, start of the big sad. <laughs> um, uh, huh. I don't know. Can you throw us a bone? Give us a... Do you have something to do with agriculture? No. Um, let's just say that um, without this, uh, without this, President Trump wouldn't even have to concern himself with TikTok. The internet? No. No, Al Gore made that. <laughs> Getting closer, though. Um, Video. Film. No. The cellular phone. No. Sim cards. No. <laughs> sim cards. In 1937. In 1937, sim cards. Sim cards were the size of a parking enough. garage. China. Fair enough. Wait, did we already say computer? Uh, no, nobody said computer because that. But that's the right answer. The first oh. automatic electronic digital computer 
Originally, it was thought that ENIAC was the first electronic computer, but a patent dispute in the 1960s led to um, this particular invention's rediscovery. Wow. Oh, interesting. So Silicon Valley could have almost been in Iowa instead of California. That's right. <clears throat> Wait, wow. who rediscovered it? Huh? Who rediscovered it? Did you say something? Like well, I mean, they, they there was a... So apparently um, there was a patent dispute in the 60s. And some during this patent dispute, uh, people did some research and figured out that, oh, wait a minute, it was actually the first automatic electronic digital computer was actually invented in 1937 and wasn't ENIAC. So. I see. So, uh, yeah, lots going on in Iowa is my point. Yeah. Come to Iowa and join us here at the Carver College of Medicine if that is your, if your goal is to become a doctor, what better place, what more action-packed place is there than Iowa? You can also get COVID too. Aren't we kind of still high on that? <laughs> Unfortunately go not. Soon. We did a better job, and now we're not number after one. November third. It's gonna go away soon. It's gonna it's gonna go away. The the forest fires are gonna cool off. Mm -hmm. We're gonna rake our forests. Mm -hmm. Glorious leader told me so, and <laughs> all will be well. Mm -hmm. That is our show, Aline Emma. Brandon, <laughs> Sahana, thank you for being my co-host today. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Dave. Thanks. What kind of, yep. You got it. And what kind of fool would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on, on any place where fine podcasts are available. I remind you that your questions are vital to the show because they mean it can be what you want it to be about. Send your thoughts, questions, comments, ruminations, shower thoughts, whatever, to the shortcoats at gmail.com. You can leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT, and we'll talk about it on the show. While your podcast app is open, we hope you'll be the kind of listener we're always grateful for. Give us some stars and a review. It's been a while. It's been a couple. It's been a few weeks since I got some stars and a review to let us know if we're doing this podcast thing right. Thank you. The show, is made pod the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine student government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. <laughs> <laughs>